0: this out. Welcome to this week's podcast of the Foundations Podcast. I'm Steve Madden, and we are going to talk today about today's subject is called Church Not Anymore. Church Not Anymore. Well, what do you mean Church Not Anymore? Well, what I'm talking about is that people have stopped going to church. And why are when we look around at our church attendance throughout the throughout the country, throughout even the world for that matter, but uh, mainly centered in the United States, we see so many churches have very few in attendance. and they used to there's a lot of people that, that uh, come and go and I, I, I recognize in churches that I've been in and that we've been in, we've seen a lot of people come, they've been there for a while and then they just kind of drift away and they and they don't want to go there anymore. Well, um, one of the, one of the things, uh, that, well, there, there's actually several reasons for this, uh, people, they, either, they're going to look, uh, we, we, uh, look for other churches. We used to call this church hopping. Church hopping is jumping to a church and church and what, and what I call trying to find the fire or looking for the fire, chasing the fire. Well, what do you mean? Well, church is not that exciting, so we're going to go uh, find another church that really is exciting. And the problem is is that you, the fire, even though once burns, kind of dwindles out. I mean, you've lit, uh, sat beside a campfire, and the flame has been really nice and warm and glowing. You put in the logs on it. You keep feeding the fire. And then all of a sudden it start and if you don't leave it attended you don't continue to put the fuel on the fire those logs to keep it burning eventually it fades away and turns into embers and the thing the thing is is that we as a church try to be too many things to people in order to win them over now one of the biggest things to me that is just amazing is that we judge a church's success by the number of people in that church. We see numbers as mean success and that's just natural. I mean if you go went to a, a concert of some singer or what have you and they had five people in there and nobody else there, of course you would say they're not successful, but if they have thousands and they're selling albums and they're going gold or platinum Uh, with their albums and all that, that means success. So the world's measurement of success is numbers. And here's the thing. Our churches are too close to the world, and we all want to use the standards of what are familiar to us or what is familiar to us. And that means that we have to use or we use secular type of measurement on whether we're successful or not. So think about that. So if you're going to a church and there's only five of you there, and uh, you're saying, "Well, this isn't successful." but what what is how does God measure success? How does God measure success? Well, number one, he measures success by, and I think that the, the Bible gives us clear indication that even the angels rejoice when one person comes to Christ. So if people are coming to Christ, then they are successful. I mean, heaven sees us as successful. We should see that as successful. But let me ask you this: how many churches today are Are making it a point to evangelize and bring others to Christ, so that they can go forward and those people can get saved and 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 live a Christian life. Or are we concerned with preaching, fellowship, or what have you? Churches have many aspects to them, and but the Bible talks about the fivefold gift, and we'll eventually we're going to get into that with the fivefold gift that there are apostles, teachers. Prophets, evangelists uh, and apostles, I believe, anyway people that establish the church, people that pastor the church, people that evangelize for the church, etc cetera, et cetera So we're going we're going to get into that uh, later but right now what we want to talk about and what we're talking about is people church no more. In other words, people have gone to church, they're attending your church, and they say, eh, don't want to go there anymore. Don't want to attend. Well, I've been, uh, I have been—I read an article the other day, and it, it, it is, talks about the five reasons that people have stopped attending your church. And you say, well, we're going to blame this on the church. No, we're not going to blame it on the church, because the thing is, is that people's expectations can get skewed and if they're expecting one thing that really isn't realistic then they're going to get disheartened and they may leave and where, uh, where uh, this particular article was talking about Millennials in that age range, or that, that of millennials, five reasons why they stopped attending church. Now I want to go ahead and I'm going to read these five. We're going to kind of take a look at them. And let's look at them from a scriptural standpoint. And let's look at it from two sides of the coin, or two sides of the, the table here. Let's look at it. Now number one, it says the church is irrelevant. The leaders are hypocritical and leaders have experienced too much moral failure. Now, okay, that's three in one, but what we're going to do is they feel that this is tied together. Now, I want to take, first of all, the church is irrelevant. In other words, they feel that the church has no more say in this life and in this world, in this country, or what have you. Now, Over the last few years, the church has really followed in the political realm, say, and the Bible says, and Jesus says, you know, when, when they asked Jesus about paying his taxes and all that, he said, give unto God what is God, give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. In other words, he did not join the two together. And in our country, we have separation of church and state, which is great. And that's, that's what should, when it comes to government, the government does not need to be, and that's the pur- purpose of that, not need to be messing in the affairs of the church. However, if the church is seeking assistance or any benefits of the government, they end up becoming beholden to the government. And one of those aspects or one of those particular things we're talking about there uh, is your 501c3 um, tax exemption. And so but anything and the one thing that we have to understand is anything the government gives or anything that uh, you know there's gonna come a price. Nothing is for free these days. And so that's what we end up seeing there so we get into that realm, but we 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 were all on the bandwagon for two years or three years or four, maybe the fast four years for that matter, about politics. Man, get into the politics and all this. And we felt, and a lot of people in the church felt that a politician, namely a high politician, was going to somehow be their mainstay. And when it came time for the next election, they were severely disappointed. And I have a feeling, you know, so there's a lot of reasons. Well, somebody cheated or whatever. I don't know what uh, all the different reasons that they used and they would say that were the problem there. But the thing is, here is that I wonder if God said, hey, 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 hey. you people are not looking to the right source churches and Christians should be looking to God and to Jesus Christ for their leadership, their guidance, and their purpose. Now, let's let's go back to our subject. The church is irrelevant. Well, the church is irrelevant. In other words, the teachings of God, the Bible, uh, and all the teachings do not matter to them. And this comes from a secular teaching. This comes from a vast amount of secular teaching that says, well, the church, it's just a bunch of mythology. It's not real. It's not right. And it's just what some people believe. And a lot of people use the term, well, this is my truth. You have a truth. I have a truth. Uh, the guy down the road has a truth. Uh, And here's the problem, is that they don't understand that there is truth, one truth in Christ and in God. But they don't accept him as the ultimate truth. So the Bible is just another book. Preaching is just something to pass the time or somebody's opinion. And so that really is where it's coming from it's not it's not it doesn't It's not relevant in my life anymore and that's what they're saying here and then of course we we slide into the leaders are hypocritical and leaders have experienced too much moral failure well of course that brings me back to um, back to the 80s 19, the 1980s the late 80s when we see when the the church really was on fire following these great televangelists. This was a new thing back then. Television and preaching, man, this ruled. And the, uh, Jimmy Swaggart, uh, the 700 Club, we, uh, uh, Pat Robertson, and then we talked to them about the PTL situation there. And all these evangelists preaching out there. And they get a lot of followers. I mean, you would go into a coliseum with Jimmy Swagger. Now, I have not been. I mean, we, we attended several of his crusades. And you felt the Holy Spirit. The Lord was moving there. He was moving. He was touching people's lives. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. People, uh, you know, uh, all, all the different aspects, they were they were touched. And the music was fantastic. You could feel the Spirit of God move in that place. But here's the problem. We all look to one man to bring that to us. We look to somebody to do that. And the thing is, is that we failed to understand that these leaders were human beings. They all of a a sudden become idols. And the Bible has a verse that says that, uh, that pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And when these men begin to feel that, hey, you know, I, I, must be, I must be the cat's meow. I must be uh, a real power here. And the people are following me. People are, and they don't know how to, how to deal with that. And they shouldn't know how to deal that with that because God said he would have no other gods before him. And so they got a high-ended spirit, a high-end-minded type of situation there, and eventually they catch him in compromising positions. And so because that leader, who was kind of the head dude in the whole situation, he fell. That must and he was hypocritical. In other words, he's telling people not to go sleeping around and he gets caught sleeping around or and then that must mean well he's a hypocrite so it must mean the whole church is a hypocrite they're all hypocritical but you see here's the thing I'm gonna I'll approach it from this yes leaders fall And one of the reasons I feel that a lot of these did fall was because of the haughty spirit, number one. And number two, God will have no other gods before him. It's all about him, and it's not about us. As a minister of God, we are a conduit for the Holy Spirit, which means I am like that electrical cord. and I've given this analogy many many times. We are like a power strip plugged into the wall the wall or that plug in the wall is where the electricity comes from but we are just channeling that Holy Spirit energy through our ministries to touch other people has nothing to do with us and I'm going to tell you what if we are not plugged into the wall or we're not plugged into God and to to him rightfully and properly We lose our power. And we're nothing, really. All we are is just a dead power strip laying on the ground, not plugged into anything. No power, nothing. And that is what we should understand as leaders and as preachers in Christ. But let me bring it around another way. People like to make excuses. We used to sing a song. There used to be a song that they would always sing back in the day, Excuses, Excuses, about why you wouldn't come to church. You had this, you had that. Something was going on here. Uh, is that so you couldn't make the service? You couldn't make the service. Well, that's true. And the, the thing is, is that we as Christians have it, responsibility to do what the Bible says. Now, in our quest here to understand foundational teachings, we understand that a Christian needs to be discipled. And in that discipleship, we need to make sure the Chris, that that young Christian understands that they need to be committed. And if they're not committed, that's they're unfaithful to God. Israel was a prime example of unfaithfulness because as you if you read through the Old Testament you see well this king came up there and they they wanted to serve other gods I mean before Israel got going and they were out in the middle of the desert they were going to follow God but here's the problem there things got rough things got edgy and what did they do? They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to serve the other gods. They want and even when Moses was on the mountain getting the 10 commandments, what were all the kids down at the bottom of the mountain doing? They were worshipping a golden calf. Why were they worshipping a golden calf? Because that's what they knew. When they didn't before they knew God before they plugged in to the Lord God Almighty. And they, that's what they saw all around. So they go back to those practices that other people do. So what happens when somebody leads? Okay, we use the excuses that, well, leaders are hypocritical. But you see, the thing is here, is that, no, not all leaders are hypocritical. Not all Christians are hypocritical. But I do have to say, I have said that people have bad days. And one thing I, I always kind of a phrase I use, which kind of shocks people, is the say the, when I say that everybody is a hypocrite, whether they go to church, not, or whatever, everyone is a hypocrite. You just need to catch them on the right day. And you'll find out and you'll see their hypocrisy. And that's because that and we, that we that it boils all back to the to the verse that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God we all have sin nature in us and even Paul he said that Paul's teaching in the New Testament says you need to die daily this is a daily walk that we do And that means that one day I could be living high for Jesus. The next day something could hit me out of the left field. And it's going to be a struggle to try to be a Christian and act like a Christian and all that. But here's the thing that does not give us license to just go ahead and do whatever. And what I always say is when we're going back to the original ideas and thoughts and things that I was seeing that caused us to even start this podcast was that there are people, there are Christians that are just living there. Say, I'm a Christian. all that. You look on social media and I have not, I've seen some foul words, dirty jokes, all types of things like that. And I'm over here going, there's either two reasons, one of two reasons that that is happening. Either they know better and they just say, I'm going to do it anyway. And that's rebellion. And the other thing is that we're not taught right. And that is laid at the foot of the church for not teaching and discipling properly. And this comes back from a couple generations ago, a couple decades, a few decades ago, whatever, when the church started thinking, well, you know, uh, let's just have one service. Let's just have one service on Sunday. We'll just do it at 10, 1030, somewhere in that area. And then that's it. We stopped Sunday Sunday night service. We stopped Sunday school. Give them it on that. And then maybe we'll have Wednesday night service. We can do that. Sunday morning, <laughs> Wednesday night. But there is no dedicated time to teaching young Christians the word of God. Christian education has become, um, yeah, not important. Irrelevant. And so when... We, we stop teaching and we stop being effective in the areas that the church should be effective then to this nation and to this generation of millennials we become irrelevant now the second reason that they're talking about here is that number two it says God is missing in the church and I, I definitely want to speak to this When we look at what the church is doing, look at our services, look at our, well, our services or look at what all the different programs and plans or what have you are happening in your church. Is God still there? Is God in that? Well, I, I know we're speaking to the church. I'm kind of going both, like I said, both sides of the coin here or both sides of the table, I guess that's a better analogy, is that you look at the church and say, well, we don't have God missing. Number one, the Holy Spirit has been kicked out of the church. It's the most boring thing that you've ever experienced in your life. I have gone to several, we have gone to several churches where you go there and you're no better when you leave than when you came. That's because the church in many areas or many churches have lost their power. They've lost their sight, and uh, and they they see they say, well, I got we got mega churches though that are appealing to millions, and they have the best of things. They have the um, the coffee shops, they go on scavenger hunts. They have the games. They have the writs. and all that for the people. And you see, here's the problem. The church has long used the world as an example of things they need to do to win people to come to their church. This is all a whole thing. And, of course, we start with the idea that the more people you have, the better. The the person with the most toys wins. And the more people that are in my church, that means that I'm successful and so we have that attitude then we go here and we're trying everything which way I mean you're giving this out you're giving that out I mean we were making a joke the other day that somebody's gonna give a discount on tithing just to win people to come to their church and they'll do all sorts of things yet God looks at that and he says man that's not what I'm about what the Lord is about is that they, they don't have the Holy Spirit there. They, 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 they're not praying. They don't teach the Word of God. They don't make it a priority to, I guess, practice the presence of the Lord. Now here, and this is kind of leads me to one of my areas, one of the areas that I'm familiar with and very familiar with, and that's leading praise and worship. We, uh, we, we lead praise and worship in our church. And the thing is, is that they say uh, there are pastors that have ideas that, they're, that uh, praise and worship is, is irrelevant. We'll use that word again. Irrelevant. It's all about me preaching. Well, the thing is, is that the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And if we do not have an atmosphere where we are truly praising the Lord and the here's another Bible verse is it says those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth in spirit and in truth and if you're not there's not that uh, worshipping in spirit and in truth truly honestly opening up and praising the lord and lifting him up not lifting ourselves up not not performing on stage with a new song because i want to get it i want people to look at me or i want people to say oh you sang so nicely you see the thing is it's not about us it's about him and when we begin to put him first when we begin to worship god and 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 actually make it a point to bring the people into worship, and he uh, and the Bible says God will inhabit those praises. What happens when He inhabits something? Well, He's on the scene. He's there, and like these two, the this the second thing they said God is missing from the church. They go into a church that is dead bone dry. Uh, they're out there. They're just doing doing the service for by rote. There's no power in their preaching. There's no power in their music, in their worship. There's nothing there. You cannot feel the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you what. If they leave, they probably should leave. They probably should leave because that is an ineffective church that will do nothing for the kingdom of God. And we have too many people walking, uh, just just doing the the motions. And the thing is, is that we need to take every aspect of Christianity seriously. Our prayer, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, that means it's effective, uh, fervent. That means there's an energy in there and that there's a seriousness about it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. The last piece is you got to be righteous. You can't be walking in sin. You can't be having sin in your life. You need to be clean. You have to have your sins under the blood of Jesus. Of a righteous man, avails much. That means it actually is powerful and effective. When we worship God, we need to be worshiping him in spirit and in truth. You see, he says he gives us all the different flavors that we're supposed to be using. However, he wants you to be serious about it. He wants me to be serious about it. He wants all of us to be serious about it and take it seriously. We have a goal. When we go to church in that service, That, the the the, uh, the, the goal of that service is number one, to lift up the Lord, to to get into the presence of God, seek the Lord while you may be found, and get into his presence, to pray, to reach out to other people, to get that word, that true word, in and, and, and uh, to build us up. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, if you're not hearing the true word of God, you're not going to get any faith. So that, I will say, on one side of the table talks to the church. Now for the other side is the the other person. Here's the individual Christian. Well, God is missing from the church. Well, for the the most part, I guarantee you, if it's a dead service and there's no room for change and growth there, yeah, you probably should go find somewhere else. (coughs) But as a Christian who is a mature Christian we do need to get into a church and to become effective in that church and a mature christian will actually look at the whole picture and not just well you know well they 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 and uh, i read another article earlier this week that said that people they leave church and they don't go to church because it doesn't agree with their faith. It doesn't agree with what they think a church should be. Well, there you go. What they think a church should be. Well, the thing is, is that if you go into a Baptist church versus a, say, a Pentecostal church, there's going to be a difference in that flow. If you go into a, um, into a Catholic church, it's going to be very silent. Music will be playing in the background. But if you go into Baptist church, it, they they sing and they, they love singing and they preach the word of God and they, they bring souls to God and they bring souls to salvation, which is fantastic. You go to a Pentecostal church, you may get another experience. Well, what kind of experience, Brother Steve? Well, you, you may get people clapping, singing, getting a little bit more excited about what they do. I mean, in some churches, I've, I've been to churches where they've been dancing and uh, praising the Lord and dancing out in the aisle. They've... Uh, uh, they, they're baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you experience that within the, uh, the body there and the thing is is that uh, uh, that may shock some people well, um, it was a while ago that I was talking to somebody that we need to do I was talking about somebody needs to go and experience go around to different flavors of churches and get that experience of the way they operate and then publish a book called Church Shock because when you go from a very subdued church and then you go into one where they're dancing in the aisles well, I think there's going to be a little bit of shock there but you see, the thing is, that's cool I mean, that's cool Uh, but you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't speak against them because they, people come to Christ and people are being saved. People are being taught the word of God, true word of God. I mean, let them go. But at the same time, that's why people, a lot of people say, Whoa, some, some dude was dancing in the aisle or they were lifting their hands. I need to go to another church. Well, that's that's what we have. That's what we have. But they're not, they don't do things the way I'm used to. Well, as a Christian, you need to be able to adapt. As a Christian, you need to be able to go in there and, you know, but here, here's the thing. Under, if you know the word of God, you will be able to protect yourself against walking into some church that's a cult. Now we we'll, and eventually down the road we'll talk about churches versus cults and what kind of things to look for in cults. And if they if there's anything else they try to put give you anything else that except for the word of God, there's a problem and if it conflicts with the word of God, there's a problem. But here's the but okay, so God is missing from the church. Let's get back to what we're talking about. God missing from the church. Number three, legitimate doubt is prohibited. You can't question anything. And I'm going to tell you what, that, that when we, we just mentioned cults. Um, I remember the stories of the uh, People's Temple Church that Jim Jones, now this is way back in the 70s. Uh, When uh, Jim Jones was a he started out as an assemblies of God preacher from what I understand, and he was preaching everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden he got he got high minded. They started calling him father. He 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 evolved into a cult, uh, moved all of his followers out to Guyana, South America, I believe. And they built a village out there. And when things started hitting the fan, he ended up having all of his parishioners drink poisoned Kool-Aid and kill themselves. They found over nine hundred bodies dead in the jungles of Guyana because he was a cult. But one of the things that they say in the in the People's Temple when they conducted thing is is that when they went in, they shut the doors in the back and nobody left. You had to go to the bathroom. Well, you better hold it. They, you don't doubt what father says. (laughs) You don't doubt what the preacher says. If you uh, disagree in any fashion, any measure, you're wrong. They're right. Those are, that is indicative of a cult. There will, as a Christian, you will have natural, there will be some doubts. There will be some questioning in your Christian walk. As you start walking, you know, so somebody asked a question, well, why why do young babies die? Uh, you know, what is doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't He step in? What isn't all these different questions? How could He create the world in six days and rest on the seventh? There's questions. But the thing is is that as church leaders we should be leading those people to the Word of God and helping explain it and, or help them try to come to an understanding. We can't say, well, there's doubt. Uh, well, if you doubt, then you're not a Christian. Your faith isn't good enough, brother. Well, I'm going to tell you what, that is what has pushed so many people away, especially during all the faith healing and all these services and all that. They say, well, if your faith's not good enough, you're not going to get it. That sure can cover up a lot of fakes. But let me tell you something here. Now, that, like I said, two sides of the table. Let's go on to the church. Well, the church, our responsibility is to help actually welcome those doubts and those questions so that we can openly sit down and discuss them, r- pull out the Bible, and read the Word of God. What does God say about this? And that's a part of learning, actually. I remember when I went to went to school, I didn't understand that, you know, uh, geometry or trigonometry. Well, the teacher would have to give the books, and we'd get, they would have to sit down and explain it a little bit. That's part of learning. That's part of discipleship. But here on the other side of the table, now, if you think, if you have never asked the pastor... If you have doubts and all that, and you say, well, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to say, you know, and you read somebody. Now, this is what amazes me. How many psychic individuals we have in the church that can sit there and look at a pastor, listen to his preaching or what have you, and make this decision that they are unapproachable when they've never tried to reach out. Now is another thing. If you went out and tried to talk to the pastor or something like that, and you were buffed, and you were really saying, "No, I don't have time for you," but I don't know a lot of preachers that'll do that. But there are some, I'm sure, I'm sure. But if you have, and uh, as we, taught, we were, we've been talking about what do you look for in a church. And one of the things is is that you have an open pastor that's willing to love you and to and to, to teach you. But you see here's the thing. love can be hard sometimes. Tough love. That means if you're shacking up with somebody, if you're living in sin, and I'm sorry, that's what the, the Bible says that if you are partaking in sexual, uh, practices and you are not married to that person, that is sin. Well, I don't know. No, no, I don't know. That's what the Bible says and that's what God's word says. So if you don't agree with that, then you don't agree with God. You're not. Don't blame it on the pastor. You don't agree with God. Or you just want to do what you want to do. Frankly. But if a person is shacking up, and I use that terminology, but if, if they're doing that and the pastor comes and says, you know, man, I'm going to tell you what, you need to get things right with God. You can't be doing that. The, the, this is the Bible says this and he teaches you and he shows you in the Bible that the Bible says that flee fornication and he said, you know, and uh, or if uh, somebody's uh, committing adultery and he they actually uh, says, well, you're not supposed to commit adultery. Well, I'm going to run off. I'm going to run off because if they, I may be found out. That's where a lot of people don't go to church, too, is they they don't want things exposed. They want to do what they want to do, and they don't want it exposed, and they don't want to be told that they're wrong. But legitimate doubt is good it's good it's not prohibited it should be it should be actually that's why we have sunday school that's why we have uh beginners classes on on, on young christians classes and we, t- we should be teaching our children our youth all that about the word of god and giving them proper foundations so that they understand okay well well what is the uh, why don't why shouldn't i uh why shouldn't I have sex before marriage? And I don't know why I'm saying this right now, but maybe somebody's going to listen that needs to hear this. Why shouldn't I do this? Well, teenage pregnancy or being pregnant out of wedlock, uh, having to raise a child, venereal disease. Ooh, I shouldn't say that. That's the Christian broadcast. Anyway, people getting AIDS. They said, "Well, that's not just for homosexuals, their friends. That came that that crawled about in the uh, in the heterosexual world as well. All sorts of things. There are reasons why you don't do what God says not to do. But here's the thing: legitimate doubt is good. It's not shouldn't be prohibited. But as a Christian, if you don't want to hear it, if you don't want to, if you do not want to listen." To the, the truth about the matter, that shouldn't give you an excuse to run out of church. But I tell you what, many people do because they don't want to be corrected. Number four, they're not learning about God. <laughs> As we've been talking about that, we've been talking about discipleship. And I'm on the, on the, here's on the side of the table where the church is. The church, if you are not, if you do not have a Sunday school program, if you are not teaching your uh, parishioners the Word of God, I mean your children, your youth, your um, adults, your older elderly people, if you are not teaching them the Word of God, you either need to teach them or else close the doors, buddy, because you are not doing what God said. Jesus said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." That is the focus, the purpose, the mission of the church is to teach them the Word of God so that they can understand. They need to learn about God. They need to know about who God is. They need to know about Adam and Eve. They need to know about Moses on the hill and the Ten Commandments. They need to know about the Psalms and King David. They need to know about Jesus and his life and the the book of Acts and the apostles and the spreading and the birth of the church and, how that, and all those teachings that goes into their life. They need to know about the Word of God. And they need to learn about God. If you're not teaching them as a church, we got problems. You got problems too. Because people, they don't want to go to church. If they, They're coming to church because they want to learn about God. That is the place they should learn about God. But if your church is too busy and having fellowship and eating and having social functions and having coffee, um, uh, 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 coffee shops and having fun and playing games and not teaching them about God, you got a problem. Your church has a problem. But here, let's jump to the other side of the table. There are people that are unteachable. What do you mean, by Steve? What do you need? What are you talking about, Steve? Well, what I'm talking about is that if you are going to learn, you have to have a mindset that you have to be teachable. I have met many people in my time that have uh, have this attitude that they know everything. (laughs) They know everything. we used to call them know-it-alls, or what have you. You can't teach them. You can't tell them something new. They they'll rebuff you. They look at you like you're you, you drooled on your shirt. They look like you're you're stupid. And sorry about using that word, but they will. And the thing is, is that those people they don't want to learn. It's it's like it's like this. Is that, you know, even like with Alcoholics Anonymous and all that, is that they, they all say that if if an alcoholic will not admit who he is and be willing and want to change. They cannot help them. The same thing with the church is that if a person is not willing to learn about God, if they are not willing to look at the Bible and actually follow what it says and say, okay, well, okay, and actually say, well, maybe I'm I'm not doing things right in this area. Lord, forgive me. And I want to do things right and start making an effort to change. If they're not willing to do that, then they're unteachable. So, on that other side of the table, for the individual who's saying, I don't want to go to church because I'm not learning about God, are you teachable? Are you trying to learn? Are you listening? Are you sleeping when the pastor is preaching? Are you coming into the church with a chip on your shoulder? Have experiences that you had in your past. Maybe your parents dragging you to church. Caused you to say, man, I really don't want to listen to anybody of this. Because you have a bad taste in your mouth. Because of something that happened in your life. Maybe when you're young. There's all sorts of stories. There's all sorts of situations. But you have to be teachable to learn about God. And fifthly, our last one is that they're not finding community, and I think this is a good one to kind of wrap this thing up on because bottom line, on one side of the table, the church, when a person walks in, nobody shakes their hand, nobody says hi to them, nobody smiles to them, and they have to walk and they walk over and sit down in the pew and just. And nobody's friendly, nobody reaches out to them, nobody says, hey, you know what, we're having a potluck Sunday night, Uh, would you like to bring something? Come on, we want to see you. And somebody makes a concerted effort to reach out to that person or that new person that just walked in the door and make them feel welcome. And if they walk out and never come back again, I'm going to tell you what, you have nothing to complain about. You have nothing to say as a church leader. If your church is not reaching out and loving on people and spreading that love, love is more than just words and say, well, we're preaching the word, you know. Uh, Yeah, you're preaching the word, but you're not practicing love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about is the love chapter it says though i speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love I'm, but a, uh, I'm a a confusing trumpet and it goes down all the different flavors of what love really is love reaches out and says listen i don't care what you look like i don't care your color and i'm going to tell i'm going to bring that apart i don't care who you are or what you have been. I don't care where you've been sleeping. Uh, Don Don Francisco used to sing a song. And he's saying, it says, I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care where you made your bed. It says, Jesus' love still reaches out to you. And if they cannot feel that in the church when they walk in, you need to do something about it as a church leader. Now let's flip about on the other side of the coin or on the other side of the table. Not finding community. You won't talk. You walk in there. You are shut up. You're, you, you come in there with a chip on your shoulder. You got an attitude. You look. Uh, you, 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 they look at you and people are actually scared to approach you because of your bad attitude. <laughs> Is that true? Some people are like that. They're a hard nut to crack, I guess. But the thing here is this, is that we have to want to participate. I mean, if, it, it's just kind of like the kid that just, you know, they, they've, they've asked you 15 times to come to the men's meeting, but you never show up. They've come, talked to you and asked you to come to the ladies' meeting, but you never show up. Now, it's a, it, it's a two-way street here. If the people are being friendly and you're not, or you're not being friendly, or you're not receiving that friendliness, you're not receiving that community, then there's a problem with you, the individual, or me, if I'm acting like that. And we need to be open to receive love. And that's the there's a lot of people that are hurt out there. There's a lot of people that are 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 bruised from experiences in their past, I will tell you, and I'll be the first one to say, that there have been people that have been burned in the church. Yep. That doesn't mean that every church is like that. And in our, our efforts to find the right church, and as we're going through our lessons and our podcast here, we're going to talk about what to look for in a church. What should I be looking for in a church? Well, number one, you need to find a friendly church that's going to reach out to you. Because frankly, bottom line, folks, bottom line, um, if I walk into a store and I'm shopping for a television set and and there is not a salesperson in sight or somebody, that, uh, 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 and then I go into another store and here comes a very friendly salesperson that says, hey, what are you looking for today? Can I help you? And then they show you and and help you through the process to buy. I guarantee you, I'm going to buy from that friendly salesperson rather than going into that other store. And that's just life. That's just people. But there are a lot of people that have been hurt, folks. There are a lot of people. But still, we should not. It's kind of a fine line. You should not use that as an excuse never to go to church again. Because then you're saying, generalize, say they're all like that. They're not all like that. There are some friendly, loving churches that will reach out and touch you, or well, I'll reach out and bring you in, and it'll touch your heart is what it'll touch, and it'll bring you in and, you know, love on you, and you'll be able to become a part of that community. And these are, this when, when we're talking about looking for a church, well, number one, you gotta find the people that uh, don't lie. You gotta you got leaders that are are not lying. That the word of God and everything they're teaching is relevant to you. Um, you feel the presence of God. Um, you know your questions are answered. And you're allowed to be human and make mistakes. You're allowed to be human and have questions. And they will help you in your efforts to learn more about God as you do. They're not learning about God, but yeah, they are learning. a place where you can learn about God. And also where you can find community. And you can find people that are going to come up and shake your hand and say, Man, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. That's it. within our efforts to find a church. That should be some, those are five good points right there of what we should be looking for in a church. Now, if you're a church leader, you're in the church and you look at these things we're talking about today and you're saying, oh, my goodness, some of this stuff is uh, kind of like what we're doing. We're not reaching out and loving on people and, and uh, reaching out and making sure our, they feel welcome. We're not inviting them to our meetings and making sure that we can follow up. There's a reason you fill out that card when they uh, come to church church's new, uh, new uh, uh, attendees. Because you have your address, you have a phone number, you have an email address. Today is so much easier. You just get a hold of them on social media or send them an email, you know, or what have you, and say, hey, we'd love to see you. Uh, you're welcome. Please, if we, if you need to be picked up, we'll come over there and get you. Whatever. Um, but if you're looking at this and you say, man, my church doesn't, do that. well, you know, I haven't felt the presence of God in, in tw- two, three, four years. Well, is there something that you can do to help change that? By people getting and seeking the Lord while He may be found, and 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 uh, practicing the presence of God. True worship—is your worship dead? Are you singing the old same lame songs you've sung for twenty years that have no power, no effect? Or are you tapping in? Are you praying about it and letting God touch people with true, Holy Ghost inspired and filled? Music that will touch and reach out and change the lives of people. And pastors, you know, the same thing. It's your preaching. (laughs) Are you preaching the word of God or are you preaching a book report? Are you reading a book report and just reading somebody else's stuff? I, I, used to, I knew a preacher that we, we used to call him an amalgam amalgam of all the different ministries he heard don't know if he ever got into the Bible to read it and, and, and get a hold of what God had for them but he, he would borrow from every other preacher he heard around that's not effective Give me a preacher that will get on his knees before God and get into the word and say, God, what do you want to speak to my people today? What words do you want to speak? What scripture do, you, do I need to bring out? And, and the touch and change these lives. That's what you need. But then you as a parishioner, don't make excuses. Be teachable. Be teachable. Be open to community. Be friendly yourself. Huh, there's an idea. Be teachable. Be open to searching for God. And be open to change. Yeah. So. Church. No more. Well, I tell you what. We can solve this problem of church no more. If both sides of the table. Will come with the right attitude, with the right spirit and ho- and asking God for wisdom and how to do that, to reach out. Because there are people out there that are hurting. And I'm going to tell you what, in this, this generation with all the pandemics that we have and all the issues that we are having, they need an open door to a church that's going to provide relief, going to provide answers, going to provide prayer and support to where they're at in this life and people we we got to get the right attitude if we're going to go to church don't make excuses to not be at church because there are some out there there are good churches where you could be a part of and you just need to find them and we're going to talk later about how to find all the things we should be looking at in a church when we go well, our time's up. I'm going to say God bless you. Great to have you here listening to the Foundations podcast and we will we will talk to you next week. God bless you and have a wonderful wonderful day.